Welcome to the Future Church Podcast, powered by Exponential, a podcast about innovative and emerging ideas in the North American church. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions to the local church, and we are seeking to discover and highlight new and effective ways that churches can impact our world with the gospel. For more information about Exponential's resources and upcoming events, visit exponential.org. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Exponential's Future Church Podcast. I'm Carrie Williams, your host today, and I'm here with Rob Wagner on today's episode. Welcome, Rob. Hey, Carrie, good to hang out with you, as always. So good to have you today. Uh, if you don't know who Rob Wagner is, um, I just want to encourage you to listen intently to the words that we're about to talk about regarding the the important and valuable work that he does um, in an organization, I guess is what we would call it, Kansas City Underground. It's more of a movement, I would say, uh, than an organization, although it is an organization. Um, but movement, I think, is a better term uh, for me, at least when I look at it from the outside looking in. And I, I love to start first, Rob, with just helping people understand who is Rob. Just tell us a little bit about Rob Wagner. Yeah. Um, I'm Rob. Hey, uh, my wife, Michelle is my best friend and, uh, we've been dating since we were teenagers. <laughs> so <laughs> in, in the eighties, I had, she had big hair and I had an awesome mullet. It's incredible. So uh, fantastic. It is. Ario Speedwagon. I can't fight this feeling anymore. That's one of our songs right there. So good. I know. Uh, we have three daughters uh, who are all young ladies. Um, Madeline and Whitney are the two oldest, and uh, they're both graduating from K-State this year. Super proud of them. Um, and then our youngest spell is 18, so she's going to be finishing up high school here pretty soon. And uh, we're just we're passionate about um, as a family, like having adventures, we love the outdoors um, and like to be in the mountains or on the beach. Um, we kind of skew artistic. So like uh, we're into photography and music and movies. We love to eat food. Um, and we're all really passionate about uh, Jesus dreams for the world. And uh, so whether that's social justice or being a great neighbor um, or taking care of animals that maybe got left behind. Like we're, everybody has like their little niche, the thing that they're passionate about. Um, and that's kind of quick overview, you know, been involved in church planting. Michelle and I, when she was 19, I was 21. We joined a church plant outside of South Bend, Indiana. And we were there for 22 years. Um, and that was a wild ride. It's like riding a rocket ship. Um, and we moved to Kansas City seven years ago and fell in love with Kansas City hard and fast. Go Chiefs! On our way to the Super Bowl, crushed the Steelers, crushed them, dominated retirement party. <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, served at a large church here, Westside Family Church, for about five years. And they were so kind. They basically let me write my own job description, which was basically uh, helping them move into church planting internationally. Um, and that's really gone bonkers, um, over the last, that was seven years ago, we started that work. And I think it's 3000 plus churches there, um, in five different countries around the world. 
And I said, hey, the same things we're teaching there, we're going to just teach ordinary people here in Kansas City. And that started this, uh, what has become the Kansas City Underground. So Kansas City Underground is three years old. We were launched out of Westside Family Church um, and uh, we're organized as a mission agency in Kansas City. Uh, we want to see Kansas City filled with the beauty, justice, and the news of Jesus. So we see our city as like an aquarium and we want every man, woman, boy, and girl to be able to see, hear, experience, and respond to the gospel in their network of relationships. Um, so just everything saturated with the beauty, justice, the good news of Jesus. And uh, that means we need a missionary in every street and a microchurch in every network of relationships. And if there was a missionary in every street and a microchurch in every network of relationships in our city, that means there'd be a gospel presence, a gospel demonstration and a gospel proclamation that would be relationally and contextually accessible to every single person in our city. So it's a crazy dream. It's a God-sized dream. There's no way we think the Kansas City Underground is going to do that alone. That's the work of the Big C Church in Kansas City. But we're here to serve the church, mm -hmm. to equip anyone who's interested in seeing ordinary people get activated into their masterpiece mission, know how to plant themselves incarnationally, plant the gospel, make disciples, and see simple forms of church that ordinary people can lead, uh, filling networks of relationships. So that's kind of uh, who I am and uh, what I'm up to. So great. You mentioned one thing in there about uh, your family being prone to art. And I'll just attest that um, your wife, Michelle, has such a beautiful eye yes. for photography. I, I like I ooze. I don't know if that's a, <laughs> the appropriate way to say that, but I ooze over her photography because she has such a beautiful eye for capturing um, just nature. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous and breathtaking. So I always love, um, you know, I'm not on social media a ton, but what I am and her stuff pops up, I'm always like, oh yeah. And I just kind of sit in it. Like I literally <laughs> will just sit in it and be like, okay, I'm taking this in and, and glorifying God while I do it. And so, um, yeah, she's got, she's so talented. Um, you no, know, well, I just want to make one comment on that. Like um, her gift is to illuminate the ordinary. That's the way the Lord has kind of spoken to her about part of her masterpiece mission, like noticing those moments that are out there and available, but then inviting it to be illuminated and inviting people into it. And the reason I just want to highlight that is um, first of all, hundred percent right. But what we celebrate and what the underground is about is everybody's got a zone or a place like that. Yeah. You no. Know? And imagine the world, what it would the cumulative good, the goodness of God coming through everybody discovering that like little spot that's theirs, you know, yeah. um, but thank you for celebrating that. Cause yeah. it's, uh, I agree Your Pictures are like portals. You go, they really are. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> okay. So when we talk about, um, illuminating the ordinary, which I would say is what, you know, KC underground does for, you know, the individuals who are involved in the communities that are involved in, you're illuminating the ordinary that ultimately of how God wired them and designed them to, to, you know, be the hands of feet in Jesus and their own community. And so talk to me for a minute about the micro church expression, the, that, that element within the context that you said, um, in every network of relationships that they have to have a micro church. What does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. Great question. Um, 
the, I guess the best way to describe it is let me tell you a story and then we can break it down on the backside. And uh, I'll just tell you our, um, I'll tell you about Corey. Um, Corey is a missionary in the underground who's also an equipper in one of our hubs. Um, and he really felt the Holy Spirit inviting him into the jail system here in Johnson County, Kansas. Um, and he started volunteering in a program there. Um, but he wasn't there as a volunteer. He was there as a missionary. It's like, I know the Lord's calling me to the space and I'm not quite sure why, but I'm going to follow this leading. And he ends up becoming friends with a guy named Vincent, um, who's what you could call a person of peace. So when Jesus sent his missionaries, he said, look for people who welcome you, who receive you, who are spiritually hungry and curious. So uh, Corey and Vincent went from small talk to significant talk to spiritual conversations. And um, Corey started what's called a discovery Bible study. And we've had so many of these started in the Kansas City Underground. When you start having spiritual conversations, it's like, hey, let's go right to the words of Jesus. Let's just, we want you, I don't want to lecture you. Let's discover together what Jesus has to say about who he is and what his mission is and what life's about. And uh, Vincent meets Jesus through this discovery Bible study and he's just lit on fire. And Corey uh, right away was like, you know what, Vincent, you could, you know, you could start a discovery Bible study in your pot. You know, so he's immediately helping him to own the mission of Jesus. And Vincent did. So Corey and Vincent, of course, keep their discipleship conversation going. But Vincent starts a discovery Bible study in his pod. Long story short, within a matter of months, that one discovery Bible study multiplied to every pod in the jail system. <laughs> so something that looked like, looked like Acts 2 started to fill souls and the cell blocks. And, and there's all these freshly redeemed guys. And, you know, the jail system is like shorter term. And so now they're exiting, right, the jail system. And what emerged is a, a new microchurch. So it's like Corey plants himself, makes a disciple with Vincent. He and Vincent now are on mission together. They're making new disciples by planting the gospel. And what emerges out of gospel planting and, and um, disciple making is a new spiritual family. And so there was a new microchurch that emerged out of that missionary work. That one microchurch has now multiplied to seven microchurches made up of the formerly incarcerated, their families, their friends. Uh, and there's now Discovery Bible Studies happening in three different jail systems. <laughs> and that network, you know, is we call it Share the Hope. So it's a, it's a network of these seven microchurches. So a microchurch isn't a meeting. Do microchurches have meetings? Yes. Uh, what it is, is it's a new new extended spiritual family uh, that's led by ordinary people. The goal is to actually live in everyday gospel community. And then as a, as a new extended spiritual family to own the mission of Jesus in your network of relationships. So their network is basically the incarcerated and the formerly incarcerated. And it's this growing family um, that's spreading like wildfire. You know, so a microchurch or one sentence definition is it's an extended spiritual family led by ordinary people who live in everyday gospel community and own the mission of Jesus in a network of relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when we look at the New Testament, we think that is kind of the primal ecclesiology that you see there. You know, um, we are for all forms and expressions of the church. Um, but when you begin to look at the story of the New Testament, you know, you look in the church's meeting house to house and the meeting in the temple courts, but the persecution hits 
the the gathering in the temple courts goes away. And um, unlike what happened to so many churches during COVID, when the large gathering went away, it, it felt like the bottom fell out for a lot of churches, you know? Well, that wasn't what happened to the New Testament church. Um, actually, the, the church accelerated. And you look at the book of Acts and you see this language of like Lydia and her household, the jailer in his household, Crispus in his household. These like relational networks were getting flipped into what we call microchurches. They were becoming these simple expressions of the church that started to reproduce like rabbits across the Roman Empire to where you get like to the book of Romans. And at the end there, Paul's describing this list of like 26 leaders, but leading New Testament scholars like James Dunn say there's actually, it's actually a network of five micro churches in the city of Rome, you know? And uh, so, and then you look at the epistles and suddenly it's like, Oh, these instructions, what's the best environment to practice these? Is it, is it a large gathering with hundreds or is it more like this, like, extended spiritual family of maybe 20, 30, 40, or 50 people. Like you think of the worship instructions in first Corinthians 14, most churches just ignore that. <laughs> it's like, Oh, we don't do that. Cause if you try to do it with a hundred or 200, 300 people, it'd be a circus. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but like he's giving worship instructions for what you would call a micro church where it's like, everybody brings a song. Everybody brings a word. Everybody. It's like this crowdsourced worship experience. Um, so like the, the micro church for us uh, is that extended spiritual family. Or we we're trying to return to the original design that we think is in the new Testament, but we also celebrate and validate all forms of church. Um, we don't feel like it's an either or mm -hmm. God's spirit enlivens and empowers all forms of church, but we are huge advocates for that simple micro church expression. Yeah. So when you were talking about Corey, you mentioned hub. Tell, tell us what hub is. Yeah, sure. So mm -hmm. you've got your missionary, which is an ordinary person mm -hmm. who plants themselves among an unreached pocket of people. They plant the gospel, make disciples. If they do that, uh, we believe uh, you'll see a, a microchurch emerge. So we don't plant microchurches. Microchurches emerge. As microchurches begin to add or multiply, like in that story, we get them into little networks that we call collectives. So collectives is like a network of microchurches and they have shared elders. Like we're, we have special training for those elders so that they can provide great support and equipping and oversight. Um, they have shared resources. They even do shared gatherings, like share the hope. They invite everybody like a big family reunion to get together once a month, you know, and people would, would probably look at that and go, Oh, that's like a weekend service. It's like, yeah, it kind of is. It's like, these micro churches get together, but for them, it's like the secondary thing. It's not the most important thing, you know, because um, they're meeting in regular rhythms with their micro church. But then underneath it all is what you could call a hub. And the hub is an apostolic equipping team. So like a great corollary would be when Paul's in Ephesus and he's got his gang of eight. So these are all people that um, he's equipped through his earlier missionary journeys. Um, and they're, they're owning the mission with Paul and he rents his hall there and uh, he's training the church in Ephesus and he's got those eight with him. And uh, what happens is it sparks a new missionary movement in that region of the Roman empire. And over time, there's this like network of micro churches that emerges out of the hall and the training in Ephesus 
and goes down that entire trade route. So like churches that are in the book of Revelation, like you can trace them back to this equipping hub in Ephesus, you know? And if, if this seems foreign to you, if you're listening to this and going, well, how does he know that? Where's that? I want to encourage you to read a book called The Untold Story of the New Testament by Frank Viola. And you're going to read the whole New Testament in chronological order. Most people have never done that. So they don't actually have the narrative in mind when they're reading the, the New Testament. Um, and then he provides commentary to help you connect the dots between like, oh, this guy who got trained here ended up leading like a new expression of the church over here. And you start to see the, the progress of the early church and this kind of decentralized network of microchurches emerging. So a hub fundamentally is an apostolic equipping team. So with Kansas City Underground, we started with one hub and it was a team of equippers. And we have teams like personal discovery. We help you discover your unique calling. Who you, What are you gifted to do? Who are you sent to? Who else do you need on your team? Because Jesus never sends anyone alone. Then we have startup coaching. That's another equipping team. We have like a seven-week uh, missionary pathway training huddle. And it uh, gives you the basic tools that you need to get going, the right framework. We have ongoing coaching. So every missionary or microchurch in the underground, every microchurch leader is in a coaching circle. We have financial services, like more than half of our budget is grants um, that helps accelerate mission through the missionaries and the microchurches. We start with one hub team and three microchurches. Now we have six hubs. We have six different equipping teams spread out throughout the city, and they're supporting the missionaries and the microchurches in that part of the city or a particular affinity group. Like one of the hubs, for example, is focused on the international communities in, in Kansas City. So it's not so much geographic as it is that particular, you know, focus group. Um, and those teams support the networks of missionaries and microchurches in their part of the city. Hubs also typically, most of them, I think all of them except for one, have like a dedicated space. Um, but it's not a space so much for like a weekend service. It's like a co-working space to, for training missionaries and microchurches. Although some of the microchurches will do gatherings there. It's like free of charge for them. Um, but that's what a hub is. So it's like a group of apostolic equippers using a shared space to equip a movement of missionaries and microchurches and they're part of the city. Mm -hmm. Pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we love it. It's fun. <laughs> it's like these crazy, these teams of crazy people running around the city, lighting fires. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, as people are listening, who are, who are in more of the traditional church model, and they're, you know, they've heard the term micro, you know, they've heard, you know, obviously, uh, hopefully everyone who's listening knows what a missionary is, an everyday missionary. Um, so uh, when we talk about this, we're really talking about a missionary movement, right? And so um, talk to like the traditional church planters or the traditional church pastors or traditional church leaders that have never experienced or seen, or maybe they have, but don't realize they've actually experienced what you're talking about. Um, they're not making that connection between kind of the organic movement of discipleship and, and, and what you're doing. Um, talk, talk to them and talk to them about what the, what is the, first of all, the biggest difference between traditional church models and then KC underground. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. First of all, I would say, you're right in that I think almost everybody who ends up in church planting or leading a church, like at some point in their life, they experienced like a gospel movement, 
in their soul. And then they saw it spread from their soul to like other people. And there was like this group of people that now are awakened around Jesus, you know, and, uh, and then they wanted that to be multiplied and accelerated. And I, and I've been a pastor, you know, for almost 30 years. And I, I, I I've had so hundreds of conversations with pastors that are like, man, I got in this to like see a Jesus movement. But then somewhere along the way, I felt like I ended up running a machine and I, and I didn't, I didn't want that to happen. Like my heart is the Jesus movement. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I, I would wager almost hundred percent of the people listening to this podcast have experienced what we're doing, you know, yep. um, in an organic way in their life. And I want to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might look and go, yeah, that group of 15 students at the college campus. And we all met Jesus. They didn't know it or call it a microchurch, but it actually was. It was like this group of ordinary people living on mission every single day around the mission of Jesus. Um, so if, you, if you're a planter or a pastor um, and you're asking for like, what are the differences? Like, I think there's a, some shifts, you know, um, like I would say, think planting the gospel in existing network of relationships instead of like extracting people out of their context so they can come to a service and hear a professional preach the gospel. That's one thing. Like the Jesus said, go, but most churches are built around come, mm-hmm. you know, and Jesus said, I want every disciple to be a disciple who can teach others to obey my commands. So every disciple needs to be a teacher. Well, we've created a model where eh, there's like one or two or maybe three or four of us. We're the teachers and everyone else, instead of going as a teacher to teach others to obey, it's like, no, you come and there's a handful of, of us that are sort of the professionals and we're going to teach you to obey. Mm-hmm. And then um, we talk about, uh, another shift is it's, it's not, um, so much evangelism than discipleship. It's more like disciple to and through conversion and evangelism is happening all day, every day. So let me explain what I mean by that. Um, typically we're thinking, okay, they have to come and then they get saved. And now evangelism is done and we have to have some kind of discipleship, you know, Well, the way, like in my neighborhood, uh, our first neighbor who gave her life to Christ was really messing up her most important relationships. And she finally felt safe enough to open up to us about it. Right. And we just started sharing like the mess of our lives. Like, man, I have people I've hated and lived with unforgiveness with, and here's what it does to your soul. And, and, And then she's like, how did you ever forgive that person who did X and Y and Z to you? It's like, well, let me tell you about Jesus, my friend, who's forgiven me more than I could ever forgive anyone else. And her going, whoa, I thought God was mad at me. <laughs> I thought God hated me because of what I did, you know? And what she's learning is like, I'm processing with her like relational skills to not blow up your most important relationships I'm processing with like, she's being discipled before she actually gave her life to Christ is what I'm saying. Other neighbors that are now in our micro church, their first questions were like, we really love the way you parent your girls. Why do you do that? Well, I'm discipling them now. Right. And I'm now I'm evangelizing 
as I'm discipling, because the, the gospel is what energizes change in every area of life. Right. And so what's funny is, you know, we have members in our microchurch who've been discipled long before they actually fully converted to Jesus. And I think that's the way of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so when we feel like discipleship is something that comes later, typically what that means is returning into some kind of programmatic thing rather than a relational thing. So I don't know. Those are some highlights, yeah. some things that I would hit. And there's a whole bunch of other things. I think the other main thing is like, instead of seeing people as volunteers, attenders, inviters, members, like you need to look at every single person and go, they're a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. They have the potential to be a missionary disciple maker. Yeah. And instead of seeing like, Hey, there's only one or two people that could lead a church, quote unquote church. We need to look and go, there's actually a potential church inside of every single disciple of Jesus Christ. It's like how there's inside the acorn is a forest, like Christ and you hope of glory. There's the potential for a little Jesus movement in every single flower of Jesus. How do we unlock that? Yeah. And, and shift from like a teaching mode and gathering mode to like an equipping and releasing kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we started the Kansas City Underground, we told people, we are not planting a church. We're never going to plant churches. We're starting a mission agency to help plant ordinary people as missionary disciple makers. And they're going to plant the gospel. And the phrase we use a lot is that micro churches emerge. They emerge from gospel planting and uh, missionary living and disciple making. Yeah. You, and you said one thing earlier on when we started this podcast that you kind of flipped it flip the model kind of upside down where, you know, these networks come together. Uh, They're, they're, you know, they still come together, you know, once a month, but it's more like a big giant family gathering, uh, a family union together to, to, and that's a collective gospel, which is different. Like the micro churches are meeting all the time. Mm -hmm. Like our, you know I mean? They have rhythms of um, like daily rhythms, like our micro church family. We're like, it's daily discipleship. Like there's already probably been 15 text messages in our stream this morning about prayers and sharing scriptures. You see what I mean? And then we're going to run into each other at the mailbox and stop and have conversation. And we're going to deliver meals to a family in our neighborhood who lost a grandparent. Like it's, and then we also will gather on Sunday morning to engage the scriptures and to pray. And then we'll also gather to watch the chiefs game and invite everybody in. <laughs> so it, it looks a lot more like what I think the early church looked like. Yeah. Yep. It's not actually less meetings. It's life together. Yes. Which I think when we really get down to it and we dig through humanity, ultimately it's the one thing that we, you know, we crave, we crave a relationship with God and a relationship with others and deep rooted, real abiding type relationships with one another where people see you and hear you and know you and where you know them well. And so I think you're creating amazing environments for those things to happen, which are ultimately just the way that God made us to function and to begin with. And so um, I love what you guys are doing. I also love that, you know, this is, you know, inspiring other movements around the nation, even around the world um, as, as people are looking at, you know, how do we share this gospel and how do we live our lives well in a meaningful way that is drawing others to Jesus and, and introducing him and um, helping them better understand who he is. And so um, 
If people want to know more about KC Underground, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, go to kcunderground.org. Um, you know, we stand on the shoulders of Tampa Underground. We're part of the Underground Network. We have a ton of heroes that have gone before us, like the whole Soma family of churches. And uh, Hugh Halter has been a big dad for us and so many others. Alan Hirsch uh, learned a ton from 3DM. Our biggest mentors have been the disciple-making movements and church planning movements around the world. Um, and so we're just trying to pass on what's been given to us. Um, but we have like a free once a month webinar. Mm-hmm. We um, every two months or so we kick off another round of the missionary pathway training huddle. That's our seven week training huddle. And we, we've had so much interest from outside of Kansas city. We're starting ones up that are just for people outside of Kansas city. So we also do like two day immersives. If people want to come in and do a couple of days of training, you can find all that at kcunderground.org. We also have a podcast and it's actually designed for the missionaries and the microchurch leaders of the underground. So it's kind of a cool way to eavesdrop in on us. And it's very practical. It's very um, tactical. And it's, it's like another tool to equip missionaries. You know, like a lot of the podcasts will walk through like, here's one of our tools and how to use it. Hey, here's a spotlight of one of our missionaries or microchurch leaders. So um, that's a really great uh, resource as well. Yeah, very cool. So if you're listening and and kind of this micro thing's a whole new thing to you, or it's something that you've heard about more than once and um, you, you find some interest in it, I just, I just challenge you, give space for the Holy Spirit to speak and, and walk that out. Because uh, just like Rob said, I mean, there's, there's not one model or expression of the church, you know, there's multiple and there's, um, you know, God's moving in different ways. And if this is one of the ways that kind of stirs your uh, interest, your curiosity, or, or maybe you're like, man, this sounds more like what I've already been dreaming of and feel very dissatisfied in where I'm at right now. What do I do next? I just encourage you to take that next step. Um, check them out and um, what they're doing, Casey Underground, Tampa Underground, all the guys that he mentioned, uh, Frank Viola's book that he mentioned, great resource. Um, uh, Rob, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, just cheering you on as you continue being an amazing missionary in your own neighborhood. Thanks so much, Carrie. It's fun having this conversation today. One last thing. Um, if you go to caseyunderground.org, uh, you'll see a, there's also a chance to just sign up there for um, a free ebook. And it's called the Missionary Pathway Primer. Um, if you're looking for an easy next step to kind of give you the big picture of why we do what we do, uh, go grab that today. It's free. Yeah, great. Great resource. Thank you, Rob. Thank you.